curious, competitive, compassionate. Salespeople are drawn to their careers in much the same way musicians are drawn to music. Once you've learned the language of sales, the beauty is in your ability to personally interpret what you've learned to suit your personality, your interest, and your skill. My name is Roger Burnett, and this is the So You're In Sales podcast, where we consider ways to grow as people as we advance in our careers and learn firsthand from those ahead of us on the path to accelerate our journey. I'm lucky to get to talk every two weeks with entrepreneurs, business owners, thought leaders, authors, and people of all walks of life, each with a unique story to share and a look at their lessons along the way. Prepare to be educated, informed, entertained, and inspired. This is the So You're In Sales Podcast. The So You're In Sales Podcast is sponsored by Social Good Promotions. Social Good Promotions was founded on the premise that any business can stand out from their competition when they are doing things they really believe in. True success these days is measured by the ways your employees feel about working for you and the ways your business is making the community a better place. Ultimately, it's about the ways you and your business will be remembered. If you're looking to grow your sales revenue while activating social good at the same time, we'll be your favorite marketing partner ever. Book a meeting with us at socialgoodpromotions.com, follow us on Instagram at sogoodpromo, and let's get connected. We've done great work using our unique and effective strategy. Let us show you how. Now, on with the show. Mark Schaefer's official title is Executive Director of Schaefer Marketing Solutions, a social media marketing consultancy that has served such recognized brands as McDonald's, John Deere, and IBM Europe. I'd be doing him a tremendous disservice if we left it at that. Since we typically only reserve about 25 minutes for these episodes, I'll do my best to cover the highlights of Mark's illustrious career to date, as to cover it in its entirety would probably take up the entire 25 minutes. But let's just say, if you'd like to immerse yourself in the canon of his work, I'd suggest hopping over to his website, businessesgrow.com, but allow me a moment to share some of the highlights. Mark's a best-selling author of such recognized titles as The Content Code, Return on Influence is where I personally found you, Mark. The Tao of Twitter, numerous other ones. In addition, his blog, titled Grow, is a treasure trove of valuable information on the topic of content marketing, and he's co-host of the Marketing Companion podcast, which is good for at least one belly laugh every time you listen. He's a highly sought-after speaker on the topic of content marketing, and if that wasn't enough in his spare time, I guess... He's also a professor of marketing in the graduate program at Rutgers University. Whoo! His latest. And I'm tired. I'm tired just listening to you. Right. His latest. <laughs> his latest book, which I recently completed and can't wait to talk about, is titled "Known: The Handbook for Building and Unleashing Your Brand in the Digital Age." So, Mark. Was there anything else besides being the seventh most referenced person on Twitter that I should have mentioned? No, thank you. Thanks for the nice introduction. Yeah, absolutely welcome. I, I swear, like I said, we could keep rolling on and talking about some of the speeches and things that you've put out there and just the amazingly entertaining content that you uh, are known for putting out there. But So let's get into it. So Mark, those who follow my work know that my measurement of a book's worth is typically the number of pages I'll dog ear while reading. 
and just wanted to share with you of the 230 pages in your book, 60 of them, or 25%, are dog-eared. And really, anything more than 20% usually means I'm going to reread the book. So this one goes right... That's awesome. Yeah, well... You made my day. You made my day. (laughs) I'm glad to do that. So this one goes right back in the messenger bag for sure. Next time I'm on a flight, I'm going to look at some of the notes that I've made in the front of the book and figure out some practical applications. But I would tell you that that really puts known up there with some of the most practical and immediately useful books I've read in recent memory. Wow. Thank you so much. Well, I'm really proud of the book. You know, I've, this is my sixth book and I'm, I'm really proud of all my books, but the impact that this book has had, Roger, has been a little um, startling to me because um, there are so many people saying this is a book that's changed my life that it, and it's, it's really having an immediate impact on people. And I didn't expect that type of feedback. I mean, I was just so close to it. I didn't really know um, how people would love the book, but it's, it's, it's really, um, it's been doing great. I have to liken it to being a recording artist and having that first sort of triple platinum selling record or single or download or any of those things. I know it might get a little bit uh, passe after time, but I'm guessing that there's uh, some gratification in having people tell you that something that you put so much time and effort to actually change their lives. Well, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm very humble about all that. And, you know, I never forget the what it was like when I got the very first comment on my blog is like, wow, someone spent time with my content. Someone spent time leaving a comment. And I mean, what a precious thing. I mean, this is like you can never give time back to somebody. So I never, ever take it for granted. I, I appreciate anyone who reads my books or sends me a note or comes to one of my talks. I mean, I, I feel it very deeply and I always will. For sure. And, I, you know, while I believe and I could, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, but I really think that there's one really very important uh, quote that I took from the book. And it says, quote, you're not going to make everyone happy. You're not pizza. <laughs> oh, that's right. And thank goodness for that. <laughs> so uh, tell us, what was the motivation behind putting this one out there? Well, every time I write a book, I solve a problem. I mean, I, I haven't had a plan or a strategy to write six books. I just come across some big problem that my friends are having or my clients are having and I, I don't know the answer to it. So I need to do a deep dive and figure it out. And the problem in this one was <clears throat> I kept getting people asking me questions like, how do I become an author someday? I'd like to write a book. How do I start a speaking career? I'd like to um, be appointed to a board someday, or I'd like to teach at a university someday. And over and over and over again, <clears throat> I kept hearing myself give the same answer to all these questions, and that was, well, to achieve that, you really have to be known. And I reflected on this, and I thought, well, that's not really fair. How do you, how do you become known today? So I started kind of going down this path to see if there's anything out there, if there's like a process or a plan. And when I started looking at what's available in the academic research, there's really a lot of fluff. 
it's it's I was very disappointed. A lot of it was very hypey about, you know, if you can dream it, you can be it, blah, 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 blah. But you and I know the world doesn't work that way. You you need to think things through. You need to have a plan. If you're going to spend a good part of your life pursuing a dream or a passion, you better have a little bit of a plan behind it. Um, that's why businesses fail. So then I went down the rabbit hole and I discovered many people who are known in their field in many different types of fields all around the world. And I started interviewing them and I found that every single person did the same four things without exception, every person, every occupation, every place in the world. And I started hearing these patterns and sensing these patterns. And I thought, well, you know, this is it. I mean, this is what, it doesn't have to be overwhelming. It doesn't have to be confusing. It does take work. It does take focus, but it's very doable if you know what to do. And that's what the book is about. For sure. And what was most interesting to me was, like you said, the breadth of industries and marketplaces that you went to to try to find out uh, if there were these commonalities that you were able to identify. And from all different walks of life, from all different parts of the world, even, you were able yes. to I identify those commonalities. And it's really somewhat startling, A, that someone hadn't done that before, and B, <laughs> that, it, to your point, that once you dug into it, you were able to identify these commonalities, really regardless of where those people might have been. Well, I mean, I, I had sort of a, a, a theory before I went in to, to write the book. But whenever I write a book, I always let the research tell the story. And it's a little nerve wracking because you're going into a book without really knowing how it's going to turn out. Or <laughs> if it's going to turn out. book I've written has been like that. But Roger, I'll tell you, the other books I've written have been like putting together pieces of a puzzle. Writing this book was like, it was like a lit runway. It's just like every person I met gave me another angle. It, it, they taught, I learned so much from writing this book. I interviewed 97 people for this book. And I, I just learned so much. Some of it, it kind of confirmed what I thought. But I kept hearing these same patterns over and over again. And I just thought, this can't be a coincidence. And the more I got into it, the more I am just sure that this is the way forward. And here's something that surprised me. So when I talked to the, in, did all these interviews, on average, it took two and a half years for people's brands to really tip, about 30 months. And so over and over in the book, I emphasize, you gotta be consistent, you gotta be persistent, you can't give up too soon. Now, here's what has surprised me. Since the book came out, I'm getting feedback from all these people saying, I'm seeing immediate results. And I'm thinking, that just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It, why did it take these other people so long? And then it dawned on me, the other people didn't have my book. <laughs> well, they, stu they stumbled around for two years trying to figure it out. And now people know exactly where to focus their efforts on. And so it's, it's like, wow, wow, this really does. I mean, I'm really on to something here. 
Well, and I would say, wouldn't you also agree that the work of the 97 people that you interviewed and their trailblazing ways of sort of doing those things that you identified as being necessary and important to achieve becoming known give a blueprint to the rest of us who are trying to do it. So in many ways, we're getting to sort of cut the corner that maybe a lot of those people weren't able to do because they needed to have that trial and error on our behalf. Well, I mean, look, you know, I stumbled around too. I mean, nobody had a blueprint. And, it, 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 you know, I can just imagine if you're a, a small business owner or a salesperson out there thinking, okay, how do, I, how do I become known in this digital age? That is overwhelming. That is just, where do I even start? And time is so precious and we all have careers and families. You don't want to do that stumbling around. You really want to know, boom, what do I do? And so th- this book, it, it doesn't really prescribe what to do. It sets the path, but then it has exercises that everybody can go through to find the thing that really fits for you. Yeah. And we'll touch on the uh, the accompaniment to the book that, that comes along with it if you so choose to buy both when you're making the decision to read the book. But we'll, we'll get to that in just a little bit. But um, I wanted to sort of touch on my listenership. Uh, typically, I would say that most people listening to this are owner-operators of smaller businesses, somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to 25 employees. And we are in a very crowded and somewhat commoditized marketplace where a significant number of the practitioners in that marketplace are being forced into price battles. So just touch on how you feel like the concept of being known can help fight that battle. Well, Roger, here's, here's a really good example of that, I think. So I get most of my income from consulting and speaking. And as you've mentioned, I've worked with a lot of big brands and I was bidding for the biggest contract of my life. It was with the U.S. Air Force. And so as part of that vetting process, I had to be interviewed by these procurement directors from the Air Force. It was kind of intimidating because I was on one side of my computer on Skype and they were on the other side. And I was like being interviewed by four Clint Eastwoods. And so uh, I got into my discussion and about 90 seconds into my explanation as to why I was qualified for this consulting role, the director of procurement for the Air Force interrupted me. And he said, Mr. Schaefer, we all know who you are. We all read your blog. And at that moment, I knew I had the job because I was known and the other people weren't. These people over time, through my blog, through my content, they trusted me. They, they knew what I stood for. They knew how I thought. They knew my values. Basically, I didn't know them, but by blogging consistently, I've, I've blogged for nine years. I've blogged like twice a week without miss for nine years. So I've become part of the fabric of their lives. And now they know me and they trust me and the other people they didn't. And so that's how it works. When to be known today, when you think about it, in this crazy, noisy world, it's about the only permanent, sustainable, competitive advantage you can have. Either you're known or you're not. 
And if you're known, you will always have an advantage and you can carry that with you through your whole life. Yeah, absolutely. So it's interesting. So there you are, one guy bidding for a government contract and you know, you've you got a leg up on whomever and whatever size businesses you may have been competing against. But I'm guessing that there's going to be a number of people who are going to listen to this and they're going to say, well, yeah, that's all fine. And Mark's put that time and effort in and that's what's giving him the competitive advantage. But that's, that's, that's meant for big businesses. That's meant for people with marketing budgets and resources. And, you know, I, I'm, I don't have any of those things. And so, yeah, you know, I'd love to do it, but maybe if that's what I'm trying to do is to become known, then maybe I should shut, shut my business and go work for a big company. And that'll give me a, a, a leg up on my own personal efforts in trying to do so. You, you talk about this a lot in the book. Why, why don't you explain to the folks maybe why that's not necessarily the truth? And really, in your mind, it actually works against you if you're working in some instances. I, I agree with that. I think it's the, 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 the opposite is the truth, that most big companies screw this stuff up. And, you know, so let's say, I mean, look, I'm in my 50s. When I was a young person in business, how would I become known 20 years ago or 25 years ago? I'd have to be in the newspaper. I'd have to be on television, right? I'd have to be maybe giving a talk at a trade show. That means someone would have to pick me. I'd have to jump through the hoops and go through the gatekeepers. But today, we live in this amazing, empowering time. You don't have to wait for someone to pick you. As long as you have a, an internet connection and a keyboard or a smartphone, you can be heard. You can create your own voice, create your own power in this world. And the reason why some people are known and other people's people aren't is that some people just aren't taking advantage of that today. Every person has the opportunity to do this today. Will they be successful? Maybe. Some people will choose not to or they won't put in the work or they'll give up too soon. But I mean, everybody has this amazing, I think it's historically important opportunity. And I just, I, you know, that's one of the things I'm so passionate about. I just want to beg people who read my book, give it a shot. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be right. Just start, start down this path. You'll get feedback. You'll improve. You'll change. You'll shift. You'll tweak as you know, you get feedback from your audience six months from now, you're going to have more fun. It's going to be easier. You're going to have some success, but that will never happen unless you start. So gosh, you know, and I, the thing that was really struck me was really regardless of whether it was, uh, the guy who wanted to be known in the fashion world, but realized over time that it was because he was short that gave him the advantage or, uh, you know, <laughs> that's one, that's, that was a great story in the book. It's such a great story, but across the board, really, regardless of whom it was that you were talking to, the thing that they all told you was that they really all sucked in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> and so talk a little bit about the notion of iteration and, and why, that, why that's important and why not feeling like you have to be perfect in getting started was, was such a recurring theme in your research. Well, you know, it, Roger, it, it makes so much sense when you think about it. 
But this is something that really had a profound impact on me as I was listening to these people that nobody starts out as an expert. Nobody. So all these people that you may look up to in the world or in business or in just in your field, they didn't start that way. They worked to get there. You know, I started blogging nine years ago. I had no idea what I was doing. I was terrible. I floundered. I, you know, had, you know, it's kind of like two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back. Well, I think it was 2014. I wrote a book about blogging. Now, I didn't do that at the beginning, but I learned. So being known, you don't have to be an expert. You just have to be on a journey. You have to be a continuous learner and just be willing to tell your story, a story that's unique in this world and bring people along on the journey with you. That's great advice. So Mark, in in my request of you, when it came to putting this podcast together, uh, I really, I sort of asked you a favor. And you know, my favor of you was me personally, but I'm actually gonna speak on behalf of a number of practitioners in my industry. There's a number of us that collectively see each other as peers, and we each are on our own journey towards being known. Mm-hmm. And since many of those people that I'm discussing, I think hopefully, hopefully guys you're all, and girls, you're paying attention to this podcast because I'm hoping that this is going to be valuable. But um, for me, um, people, people, you know, clearly people will know you, but these people who are listening hopefully have developed some sort of relationship with me, either digitally or uh, individually. Mm-hmm. What advice might you give me about my own journey and, and where I'm at on my own personal quest towards becoming known? Well, let's talk about, um, you know, you we before we went um, live, you told me a little bit about your business and the niche. So it sounds like you've you've thought about kind of where you want to be in the world, who your audience is. And so you're creating, you've created a podcast, which is cool, which is helpful content. And so this is how your personality, how your voice is getting established in the world. And you've done this for a while, right? I mean, I think I saw you had quite a few episodes under your belt. Not specifically of the podcast, but if you look mm-hmm. at sort of the canon of my content, de- yeah. depending on what I've been doing, the roles that I've filled, whether I've, if I was a volunteer in an association mm-hmm. or a member of yeah. a board of directors or something, I've been producing content now dating all the way back to 2012. So I've got about five mm-hmm. years underneath my belt. Well, but it's not one of the things we talked about, though, it's not all in the same place. It's not discoverable and you're not necessarily really getting credit for it. So so how long have you been? Have you done the podcast? Really? It's this is a 2017 creation, the podcast. Okay. so I mean, the real key here is consistency. One of the things that I learned in the book when I was writing the book is that consistency is almost more important than being a genius or having a big idea. It's just being there, being there, being there, building that audience, um, building an audience that matters, you know, having that, your, your voice and your ideas and your interviews uh, land on people. You need to become part of their habit, part of, you know, almost like the fabric of their lives. I had a lady tell me, 
you know, Mark, every day I start my day with you. I, it sounds a little kinky, but no, <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about my blog. So she said, I get a cup of coffee. I open up my email and I, I read your blog. That's how I start my day. That is so amazing to me. But that only comes over time, over consistent with consistency and commitment. So, I mean, what I would encourage you to do is uh, so. And how how often are you are you creating the podcast? What's your what's your frequency? Well, the first couple of them were just once a month, but I've got enough content going now that I'm ready to start putting it out every two weeks. Very similar to you. Yeah, I think that's a good goal. I think two weeks is kind of a minimum frequency. Um, And so one of the things I talk about in the book that, so real briefly, let's talk about the, the four steps. So one is you kind of have to identify what you want to be known for. And I think you have a very clear idea of that. It may change a little bit over time. That's fine. But you've got a theory about what you want to be known for. You're in the podcasting space. You've done a little research, you've looked around and you said, you know, this is something new I can do. Podcasts are really kind of taking off right now. So you've kind of felt a, found, like a, found a space that feels right to you. This is a kind of thing that you feel comfortable with. It's going to bring you joy. The third, again, is creating this piece, this content. And this is where a lot of people kind of fall off the wagon because they don't know where to start. They don't have the time. I address that directly in the book. I said it doesn't have to be overwhelming. Basically, you've got four choices in terms of what content you can produce. You pick one, pick one that's going to be joyful to you, maybe that your customers will like, and then do it, and then do it consistently. Now, the other, the last piece is building this audience that's actionable. So when you start creating content, you might build this social media audience that isn't necessarily actionable. They may like it. They may even listen to it. But that doesn't mean they're going to buy something from you. So you need to be patient. You need to look for opportunities to engage people, to turn those social media connections into something that's more powerful. So you start to engage with people. Maybe they'll leave you a comment or maybe they'll subscribe. You know, maybe see if you can have a conversation with them, have a Skype with them, have coffee with them. That's when you turn these weak relational links of social media into something that's really going to work. So I think you're well on your way. And I think what you need to do is just at this point, commit to doing these podcasts um, consistently. You need to have the resilience to not give up. The other thing I have in my book, and I go into this in more depth in the workbook that goes with the book is that you need to start tracking little signs that it's working. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean leads and money. It could be mentions on Twitter. It could be subscriptions. It could be somebody asking you for advice. That's a symbol that you're becoming known. It could be a request for an interview. Um, So all those things are little signs that it's working. And as long as those signs are happening, keep doing it. Do not give up because that shows it's working and the momentum will build. A couple of, oh gosh, I, I'm, my head's spinning. There's so many things that I want to talk to you about. So uh, a couple pieces there. So I, over the course of my content career, 
only recently and really with the advent of launching the podcast, I pivoted from being more of a content curator to a content creator. And that mm-hmm. was conscious on my part. I, I felt like being a curator of content was somewhat easier. And by taking other pieces of work that I found interesting and adding my own viewpoint to it, I felt like in some ways I was cutting corners and giving myself a way to speak to a broad audience in a way that was specific to my own beliefs. But I was having a conversation with my wife where I was really sort of bragging a bit, truthfully. And I was saying to her, like, you know, I'm over a thousand followers on Twitter. Isn't that cool? And I have 3,300 followers on LinkedIn and, you know, Instagram, 400, whatever statistics I was, I was reciting. And I, I feel a lot of pride in that because I feel like I've built a community of people that have outwardly expressed an interest in at least cursorily paying attention to what I was doing. But as a spouse is wont to do, she looked at me and, and very pointedly said to me, does that make you any money? And, and my comment to her was, no. And gosh, maybe it's time for me to start, quote, picking up my game. So uh, that the pivot that that motivated me toward was, it's probably time for me to stop being ESPN and time to maybe start being my own broadcast network. So mm-hmm. that, was, that was really the motivation behind trying to do that. The other piece of this that I think is interesting, and I'm, the, the piece of it that I really wanted to get your opinion on was, I just said, I've got a thousand Twitter followers. I've got mm-hmm. all of these people on LinkedIn. And, mm-hmm. and I get good reach, but I'm not to the point, to your point, where I'm able to get much in the way in action from what I'm trying to accomplish. So is it better? Yeah. Is it better to well, be broad across platforms? Or would you suggest it's better to pick a platform and have that be the one? And the reason why I ask that is I love to write. And mm-hmm. a little shout out to my friend, Bill Petrie, who uh, hosts some of uh, one of my uh, blog posts every other week on, on his platform. Um, mm-hmm. But what he said to me when he asked me to write for him is he said, you know, the way you write is a lot like the way you talk. And what, mm-hmm. I, what I enjoy so much about your writing is for those people who know you, it feels very much like you're sitting next to me talking to me. And what that spurred to me was this podcast because I actually enjoy the interaction between myself and other people even more than I enjoy the writing. So it's what motivated me to want to put the podcast together. But I, now I'm sort of wondering, should I, should I dial down the writing, dial up the podcast, or is it okay to be on multiple platforms simultaneously? I, I feel strongly, for someone like you at, at this point where you're just starting out, you, you really need to focus. Um, you know, you only have so much time and, and the commitment you need to make to your audience is that I will never let you down. I, when you spend time with my content, it is going to be the best it can be. And if you start diluting your efforts, that is going to distract you. So I would really double down on the podcast or whatever you pick. So there might be people listening today that said, well, you know, I really want to write. I like to write. Well, then do that. Some people might want to do videos, then do that. But you need to focus for at least a year or two. Really build your audience. Start building your brand. Become known. Do it really well. Master that channel. And then think about diversifying. 
you know, I blogged for five years before I started a podcast. And the reason it was such a hard decision for me was because I didn't want to do anything that would jeopardize the quality of that blog. And by doing it only every other week, and I've got a co-host, Tom Webster, to kind of share the burden of it. And I, you know, I outsource all the production stuff so I don't have to spend any time on that. It becomes manageable. And it is something that I enjoy uh, doing. Um, and it has, I think, attracted a, a new audience. But, you know, for many, many years, I, I focused on creating great content, promoting that and distributing that content, building that audience and uh, I mean, that's a job. So um, I, I, my, re- my strong recommendation would be to, to focus on the content. Things like Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, those are all distribution channels. Your podcast, that is your voice. That is your content. That's the heart and soul of your personal brand. All the other stuff is just ways to get it to people. Very true. And the more of these podcasts I do, the more I realize that I probably should have done this a long time ago because Mm -hmm. the interactions and the warmth of the discussions has really been the most common refrain that I'm getting from the people who are reacting to the content is just like, Hey, it's like sitting in your living room and having a conversation with you. And it's, it's very natural. It's very, um, very, yeah, well, natural is the right word. It's a, it's a very natural extension of my personality. So yeah, more, more podcasts to come, I think. Yeah. Well, I think, I think it's a big decision, you know, you got to, you know, pick something that, that, uh, you know, number one, it, it just got to be joyful to you because if you're not having fun, your audience will know it and you, you got to have fun. And, um, you know, I love writing my blog and I love doing the podcast with Tom and, you know, most of the time I love writing books. It's very hard. <laughs> it's a very, very difficult thing to do. But I love the reaction I get from people who read my books. So you really you really need to focus on quality and, con- and connecting with an audience. And there's one other thing I wanted to mention. I wanted to build on a point you made about the conversation with your wife about does it make you money? Whenever you were telling me that story, something just popped in my head that happened this week. So there's a very prominent business person actually in Ireland who wrote me an email this week. And he said, Mark, I only discovered you two weeks ago. So I I, I saw a link to one of your blog posts on Twitter. I read your blog post and loved your blog post so much, I started consuming more and more of your blog. And then I discovered you wrote this book called Known. I just read your book. I I read your book in two days. I couldn't put it down. Now I'm buying the rest of your books. And um, so, I mean, now, next time I go to the UK, I'd love to meet this guy. And who knows where it will lead. So, look, you know, I talk about Twitter and LinkedIn as these weak relational links, but it's, it's kind of the gateway drug to real business. So, I mean, this guy was on Twitter and, and, you know, he didn't buy anything from me, but that's how he discovered me. That's how he got hooked on my content. Usually it doesn't happen that fast, but for this guy, boom, boom, two weeks, he's a super fan. Right. And that's pretty cool. Well, and to me, those distribution channels that you mentioned, I mean, that's a very common refrain in sales today, especially in social selling. I mean, 
they're lanes on a freeway, right? And so our objective is to have as many paved, smooth, well-defined lines on the freeway to help ha- people find their way back to you. And if you're doing good content and you're speaking in voices that are specific to those broadcast channels, because the thing that I hate the most is when if I'm, say for instance, if I, I'm following you on a number of different platforms, you you don't say the same thing on all of those different channels. Now, mm-hmm. what the content link that you might provide might be the same piece of content, but you're speaking in a different voice on each of those lanes in order to help people find you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, I, I'll just show you real quick since you can see. You can see that I've got all of these notes made in the front yeah. of the book. So and awesome. and there's it's it's somewhat of a misnomer because known you know the title says the handbook for building and unleashing your personal brand but talk a little bit about the handbook that you actually wrote that goes along with the book well i'm i'm a teacher and so i really care deeply about not just standing up in front of people and pontificating but having them really internalize it and having them really understand and take action. I mean, that's what I want to do. That's my fuel. That's my fuel is to have people do that. So as I thought about this book, I mean, I put so much work into this book and I thought, what can I do to help people reinforce this? What can I do to give them another way to internalize this? And so I created a a work, a a workbook that goes with the book. It's very inexpensive. I, I, I priced it as low as I possibly could, again, just to give people another way to, to, to help them um, build their own brand. I, um, there, the, the, the exercises in the book, there's room in the workbook where you can record your answers. There's, there's some bonus material in there. There's some things that you can download from the workbook to help you um, keep track of your progress. So that's why that's that's why I created the book. I just wanted to give everybody an opportunity to um, to just internalize this. I'm finding about actually two thirds of the people that buy the book buy the workbook, too. So that's I'm amazed at that. But that's cool. Well, I think it's a reflection of the value of the content in that people are being motivated to want to try to figure out how to take the information that you're sharing and, to your point, turn it into something actionable. And the teacher in you, much like the teacher in me, says, I, I want to go beyond just the lecture. I want to give you a lab that you can come and spend time immersed in the content that you got in the lecture to turn into something that you might actually take to market. So I applaud you for that. Um you know, a lot of times with other authors, it feels somewhat as if uh, it's a money grab to a certain extent because it's like, well, if you bought the book, then hey, why don't you buy the handbook too? But mm-hmm. I would tell you from my perspective, you know, knowing what I did with all of the notes that I scribbled in it, you know, I'm sort of kicking myself to a certain extent that I didn't buy them both at the same time. So mm-hmm. well done, sir. And Mark, I so very much appreciate you taking the time on a beautiful Friday afternoon here on the autumn equinox to uh, talk to us about your book and this whole notion of content marketing. So thank you for that. And I'll leave you one last parting thought to share with the people who might be listening. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on your show and thanks for being so well prepared and for and for reading my book. I really appreciate that. And uh, what I would encourage everyone to do is 
um, take a shot. You know, it doesn't have to be right. It doesn't have to be perfect, but just uh, give it a chance. Uh, I, I believe strongly that today you can have a sustainable uh, personal advantage by building your brand, by being known. And uh, I'd love to hear that everybody gives it a try. And uh, that has to come with the first step. Yep. And the first step would be to buy the book. It's available in any of those places that you typically would buy your book. And again, I would encourage, strongly encourage anyone and everyone to pop over to businessesgrow.com and to subscribe to the Grow blog. There's just, gosh, you know, forget what you're going to put out in the future. If people who haven't interacted with your content before just went backwards, they could spend a good long time getting immersed in all things Mark Schaefer. So once again, Mark, I really appreciate it and take care. Thanks so much. Till next time.